After the disintegration of the Gokturk empires, the Uyghurs, and to a certain extent the Kyrgyz, created new successor states in Mongolia and the Altai region. However, even more Turkic states were established in the west and stretched along the entire Eurasian steppe belt. Among them was the Khazar Khaganate, ruled by a branch of the Western Turkic Empire of the 7th century. As such, the Khazars were most likely led by members of the legendary Ashina clan of Bumin and Istemi. Within a century, they expanded their territory as far as Kiev in the west, the Volga in the north, and the Kazakh steppe in the east. And while the Khazars seemingly remained a nomadic people, their society transformed as the ruling Khazars converted from Tengrism to Christianity, and later on even to Judaism. But was the Khazar Empire in general thus a Jewish empire too? Did the common people also become Jewish? And how credible is the claim of the Jews of Eastern Europe being descendants from the Khazars? Before we find out, don't forget to like this video, subscribe and click on the notification bell so that you won't miss any updates. Without further ado, Let's dive into the fascinating topic of the Khazar Khaganate. Out of all the successor states of the Gokturks, the Khazar Empire was the one located most westward, on the frontier between Europe and Asia. Centered between the Volga River and the Caucasus, their history can be traced back to the middle of the 7th century. And yet, the creation of Khazar identity is strongly linked to the downfall of the first Gokturk state. The Gokturks had advanced as far as Ukraine in the year 580 CE, and with the help of the also Turkic Ogur Federation, even besieged Cherson on the Crimean Peninsula, Byzantine territory. Over time, the Byzantines and Turks forged an alliance against their common enemy, the Sassanid Persian Empire. In 627, hostilities between Byzantines and Persians culminated, and the Turks intervened into the conflict. The king of the western Gokturks, Tong Yabgu, besieged several cities in Georgia and Armenia, and sent his general Bori Shad to attack the Persians through Azerbaijan. However, Tong was murdered, and all Turkic armies retreated back to Central Asia amidst political chaos. By 630, the Eastern Gokturk Empire fell into Chinese hands, and the Western Empire was also crumbling due to internal conflict between pro-Ashina and anti-Ashina tribes. Tong Yabgu seemingly had plans to annex the newly conquered territories on the Caucasus, but after his death, the Turkic peoples did not fully retreat from the region. Indeed, his war against Persia laid the foundation of the Khazar state. By 650, as political anarchy reigned supreme in the east, the Turks in the west reorganized themselves. Slowly but steadily, a new Turkic state was formed. In several medieval sources, the Gokturk armies are being called Khazars. However, the use of this term for the war between 627 and 629 CE is purely anachronistic. As the Khazars had become well-known as nomadic Turkic rulers of the Caucasus in the 8th century, medieval authors and scholars of that time thought of the Khazars and the Gokturks as congruent. From a certain point of view, they were right. But the Khazars had surely not been independent prior to the year 630 CE, before the retreat of the Gokturks from the area. 
After conquering the lower Volga region to the east and an area between the Danube and the Dnieper to the west and subduing the Ogur Union, a properly constituted Khazar Khaganate emerged between 650 and 670 CE. It was at this time, interestingly, that the Bulgars, also of Turkic origins, approached Europe under leadership of Kubrat Khan and founded the first Bulgar Empire. But more about them in another video. Being surrounded by several nomadic peoples such as the Bulgars, Magyars, Ogur, and Oguz, the Khazars were in a peculiar geopolitical situation. But their military prowess and able leadership helped them establish Khazar hegemony in the neighborhood. For the next 300 years, the Khazars would reign as the supreme empire of Eurasia. But with this new location and new neighbors, including many of non-Turkic origin, the society of the Khazars entered a transformation phase with no return. Contrary to popular belief, the Khazar state was less centralized than the Gokturk Empire. The Khazar political system was characterized by its dual monarchy, with two main figures ruling the Khazar state, the Khagan and the Bek, the latter also known as Khagan Bek. While the actual Khagan held a ceremonial position and was not involved in day-to-day -day governance or military decisions, the active ruler was the Bek, who managed state affairs, military strategy, and diplomatic relations. This structure was probably developed to balance power among the factions in the Khazar state. The Khagan, or supreme ruler, was the head of the empire, but his power was limited by the presence of the Bek. This was the title of a tribal leader before the Gokturk era. With the disappearance of the Gokturk empires, the lesser nobility, with the Beks as their spokesmen, worked to improve their power within the hierarchy of the steppe belt. The Khazar dual kingship of Khagan be allowed for a certain degree of autonomy of the different regions within the empire, while still maintaining a sense of unity and shared identity. However, like the Gokturk Empire and many other states in the Eurasian steppe belt, the Khazar state was originally organized along tribal lines. The empire was divided into tribes or clans, each with its own chieftain. These tribes could be quite powerful and influential within the state especially if they had a large population or were particularly wealthy or militarily strong. Over time, centralization efforts helped to consolidate political power. As an active ruler, the Bek increasingly took on the characteristics of a conventional monarch and tribal structures became less important. This was likely due to the influence of the settled, urbanized societies with which the Khazars interacted, including the Byzantine Empire, the Islamic Caliphates, and the various Slavic and Germanic kingdoms of Eastern Europe. The Khazars valued military prowess and were constantly engaged in warfare with neighboring peoples. Therefore, the ability to adapt and respond quickly to changing military and political situations was crucial to the empire's success. As skilled horsemen and horse breeders, they were able to maintain a strong cavalry and dominate in battle. Indeed, there are many stories of men of Khazar descent taking up arms on behalf of other states, most notably the Byzantine Empire. But the Khazar army itself was already capable of fending off its neighbors, which included many Turkic states, tribes, and tribal confederations. But more of that later. In addition to their military prowess, the Khazars were also known for their trade and commerce. They controlled several important trade routes, including parts of the Western Silk Road. 
This allowed them to tax goods passing through their territory. Their geographical location, between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea, made them a strategic point for trade between East and West. The Khazars also had a strong agricultural sector, producing crops such as wheat, barley, and millet. This allowed them to sustain their population and provide food for their army and merchants. This Turkic military power, combined with control of trade routes and a strong agricultural sector, made them a prosperous and influential empire in Eurasia. But who were the rulers of the Khazar Empire? Where did they come from? There is evidence that speaks volumes about a possible connection between the Ashina dynasty of the first Gokturk Empire and the Khazar dynasty in the 7th century. Very often, the ethnonym Khazar and Turk is being interchanged, and there's a reason for that. It seems that the Khazars were an offshoot of the Western Turk state, and they were ruled by an Ashina dynasty. Our sources don't say that flat out. All of the, the details that the Arabic sources give regarding Khazar customs and ceremonies and so on, like the installation of the Khagan, is identical to the material that the Chinese sources are giving about the Kirk-Turks. Uh, and we know that the Arabs were not reading Chinese. So they were not borrowing this. This is based on their own observations of this state. The Khazar ruling house is most probably descended from one of the feuding subgroupings of the Ashina in the western Turk state that fled, went off towards the west and founded their own state. And they were known as Turks or as Khazars and then finally simply as Khazar. That becomes the, the, the more established name. But the name came to encompass a whole range of peoples, especially a variety of Turkic peoples that had come in prior to that, beginning with peoples that probably moved westward from the Xunglu state in Inner Asia, coming the Huns of, of Iran and uh, Europe, and then Sabir's various Oguric peoples, all of these coming together under Khazar rule. Some of the sources say as much that the Khazars were the masters of this people or that people. The Khazars are, in essence, a branch of the Western Turk dynasty with their core tribes and then other tribes over whom they established. So it became both an ethnonym and a politonym, that is a political name. One of the most remarkable events in Khazar history, according to Kevin Allen Brook, author of the book The Jews of Khazaria, was the adoption of Judaism. Brooke points out that the Khazars chose to adopt the standard rabbinical form of Judaism rather than the beliefs of the Karait sect, which had been present throughout the Islamic world, especially in Spain, but also in the Byzantine Empire and later Ottoman Empire until the 16th century. Archaeological evidence indicates that Jews have lived in the Balkans, in the Caucasus, along the northern shores of the Black Sea, and in other areas of Eastern Europe since Roman times. But the most important area responsible for the Khazar conversion were the settlements on the Crimean and Taman peninsulas, including Kerch, Feodosia, and Anapa. These mostly Greek-speaking Jews were incorporated into the Khazar Empire during the 7th and 8th centuries, but simultaneously, the empire became a safe haven for a number of persecuted Jews from Europe, but also Asia. The neighboring Byzantine Empire, which we should rather call Eastern Roman Empire, forced baptism several times in the 7th and 8th centuries, which forced many Jews to either adopt Christianity or flee to the north. 
One of our primary sources is the Cambridge document, originally titled Schechter Letter. It's an anonymous Khazar letter from the Geniza of Cairo, which discusses several events that included the Eastern Roman and Khazar empires, as well as the Kievan Rus. The author implies that at least some Jews entered Khazaria to escape the yoke of the Ido worshippers, and that those who fled through Armenia to Khazar lands intermarried with the Khazars. These immigrants soon learned the customs of the Khazars and, the letter states, fought side by side with the Turks against other nations. Another group of Jews fleeing to the Turkic domain came from Mesopotamia, which is also mentioned in the Cambridge document. What effect did the migrations have on the Khazar people then? According to Brooks' theory, the waves of Jews arriving in the Khazar Empire encouraged the Khazars themselves to convert to Judaism, which was indicated by a statement by the Arab historian Dimashki, written in the year 1327. This theory suggests that the conversion happened quote-unquote naturally over time. A second, more popular theory is that the Khazar elite converted to Judaism in an effort to preserve the political independence of the empire from the Christian, Byzantine, and Muslim Arab empires. The goal would have been to keep the balance of power in the region. As the Khazars were geopolitically situated not directly in between the Roman and Arab empires, but were indeed pivotal for the political stability in the region, this theory seems plausible. We can say for certain that indeed, Jewish conversion took place within the empire. But how many people actually converted? Did the Jewish faith spread among the common populace or only affected the ruling elites, the Kagan and the Beck, as well as the members of the royal dynasty? Early theories about the Khazar-Jewish connection go back to the speculations of Ernest Renan, among others, in the late 19th century. They proposed that the Ashkenazi Jews of Europe actually originated among Turkic refugees who had migrated westward from the collapsed Khazar Empire into Europe, thereby exchanging their native Turkic Khazar language for Yiddish while continuing to practice Judaism. Although the Khazar Ashkenazi hypothesis has been intermittently advanced by various scholars later on, it came to the attention of a much wider public with the publication of Arthur Kessler's The Thirteenth Tribe in 1976. Kessler was of Hungarian origin and mostly published books in German and English. His most controversial publication, however, suggests that indeed many Ashkenazi Jews in Europe, who became victims of annihilation by the German Empire in the 1930s and 1940s, were not descendants of the ancient Israelites in Palestine, but of the Turkic Khazar descent. Following the collapse of the Khazar state, these people allegedly formed the basis of the Yiddish-speaking Jewish communities in regions that now encompass modern-day Poland, Lithuania, Belarus, Ukraine, and Russia. Some critics, especially in Israel but also the United States, have classified this theory as basis of anti-Semitic speculations, as it was used by those who negated the right of the Jewish people to inhabit and rule over the country that we know as Israel today. However, Kessler himself was an Ashkenazi Jew, and he actually presented this theory to combat anti-Semitic ideologies based on racial theories of Jewish identity. He hoped that by demonstrating the diverse and multicultural origins of the Jewish people, he might undermine such prejudiced views. But the question that we want to answer is, were Kussler, Renan, and the others who proposed such theories actually right about the Khazar origins of the Ashkenazi Jews or not? Ironically, 
the majority of the Jews of Israel are not from Europe. They're from the Middle East. But here, the DNA becomes important. And a lot of work has been done on the DNA with all of its problems. First cousin marriages were quite common among uh, Jewish populations in Eastern Europe, Western Europe, and elsewhere. They're also very common among Arabs. An old Semitic tradition has nothing to do with religion. It's just an old Semitic tradition from way back. The studies that have been done with this indicate that the Eastern European Jews, the Ashkenazi Jews, have basically a Middle Eastern origin. Their DNA matches up with other Middle Eastern peoples. Indeed, their closest DNA relatives appear to be Lebanese, Syrians, and guess what? Palestinians. Naturally, any population that claims it's not mixed is lying. All populations are mixed. There was Chrysler's unfortunate book, which he wrote. He himself was a survivor of, of the Holocaust and all of that. And he thought in this book he would simply integrate the surviving Jewish communities into the larger European world. Uh, but no, the bulk of Eastern European Jewry is very clearly of Middle Eastern origin with some European admixture. Indeed, most researchers and scientists agree that there would be no evidence for the European Jews to be of mostly Khazar origin. However, a few scientists nonetheless do not disregard the Khazar hypothesis and continue DNA analysis despite some heavy criticism by their colleagues. There are academics, themselves of Jewish origin, mind you, that persist on the theory. But if we disregard this Jewish Khazar hypothesis, if we even assume that not a single Ashkenazi Jew in Europe ever descended from the Khazars, we must nonetheless ask, what happened to the Khazars? Where did they go? The fate of the Khazars largely depended on their foreign affairs, as did the fate of all other Turkic states of that era. After establishing state-like structures in the 7th century, the Khazars expanded their domain as far as Kiev in the west and the Aral Sea in the east, controlling virtually the entire Caucasus as well as the Don Volga area, the Crimean Peninsula, and thus the modern-day area of Ukraine. By absorbing the Onogur Federation, the Khazars defeated the newly independent Turkic Bulgars who had revolted against Avar rule with the help of the Magyars who were responsible for the defense of the western border of the Khaganate. However, by 800 CE3 rebellious Khazar tribes called Khabars left the empire and joined the Magyars. These Magyars then later came to be known as Hungarians, a term which the Germans derived from the term Ogur or Onogur, the names of the Turkic confederations that the Khazars had absorbed. Thus, Magyar became Hungary. In any case, Khazar rule over the Hungarians was formal from 800 CE on, and by the middle of the 9th century, the Hungarians had broken away from the Khaganate entirely, now making incursions as far as the Frankish lands in Central Europe. Meanwhile, the Khazar Empire had become a major power in the region and, as we mentioned, served as a form of buffer state in between the Eastern Roman Empire and the Arab Caliphates. In essence, the Romans saw the Khazars as valuable allies against their Arab enemies. And since the Khazars themselves had refused Arab advancement into the Caucasus, the Romans proposed an alliance. This alliance was formally sealed with the marriage of Constantine V, Emperor of the Romans, and Tzitzak, or Chichek, 
daughter of Bihar, who was the Kagan of the Khazars in the 730s. The son of Zitzak and Constantine was Leo IV, also titled Leo the Khazar. Therefore, we can speak of at least one Roman emperor who was of half-Turkic descent. In any case, as the Khazar-Byzantine alliance was blossoming, the Muslim Caliphate of the Arabs was still trying to advance into the Caucasus area and expand the Islamic realm. We already mentioned the Turkic states that tried to contain the Arab Empire on their way into Asia, and among these states was, of course, the Khazar Khaganate. From 640 until at least 800 CE, Arabs and Turks fought many battles. The Battle of Balinjar took place in 652, near the eponymous Turkic city that was located near the Caspian Sea, in which the Arabs were decisively defeated by the Khazar defenders. While the Arabs tried to sort their armies and regroup, they were further attacked by local Alan tribes as well as Roman armies from the west. It seemed that the containment of Arab-Muslim advancement was the utmost priority of all neighboring states, tribes, and political entities. As the Arabs brought Armenia fully under control and suppressed a rebellion in 705, tensions rose again. In 721, a Khazar army of 30,000 men defeated the Syrian garrison, but were soon set aback by an Arab counteroffensive. The war was a back and forth of Khazar and Arab armies. On the 9th of December 730, the Khazars annihilated the 25,000 men strong Arab army at the Battle of Ardabil in southern Azerbaijan. As the Arabs were getting exhausted from continuous fighting in Transoxiana against the Turgesh, another Turkic entity, a few years of silence, befell the Caucasus. Despite further attempts to advance north, the Arabs could not consolidate the frontier against the Khazars. Medieval Iberia and Albania, not to be confused with the modern terms for the respective regions in Europe, served as a buffer zone between the Turkic Khazars and Muslim Arabs. By the 9th century, groups of Varangian Rus, developing a powerful warrior merchant system, began probing south down the waterways controlled by the Khazars and their protectorate, the Volga Bulgarians, partially in pursuit of the Arab silver that flowed north. Some scholars argue that the Rus founded a state modeled after the Khazar Khaganate, consequently titled the Rus Khaganate, with a Rus Khagan as the king. By 860, the Rus had penetrated as far as Kiev, which seems to have been founded by the Khazars, by the way. As the Byzantine and Khazar priorities shifted, the Romans encouraged both the Alans on the Caucasus to revolt against their Turkic overlords, as well as the Rus to further advance into Ukraine and defeated the Khazars. It seems that the Byzantine rulers thought of converting the Rus, them being capable warriors, to Christianity and treat them as their subjects. Ultimately, the Rus defeated the Khazars and captured Sarkal, as well as the Khazar capital Etil, by 970 CE. The fate of the Khazars was sealed by their defeat in 965. However, the Khazars did not suddenly vanish from the map. To the contrary, scholars assume that they generally continued independent rule in certain places along the Black Sea coast. In 1016, the Byzantines and Rus launched a joint offensive against a local Khazar ruler called Georgius Tzul, though he must have ruled over a state that had been devastated by the wars of the prior decades. Indeed, very little information survived regarding the situation in Khazaria. By the end of the 12th century, Patakia of Ratisbon reported traveling through what he called 
Kazaria, and had little to remark on other than describing its minim living amidst desolation in perpetual mourning. What happened to its inhabitants then? Many, both Jewish Khazars and non-Jewish Khazars, left the area and or were absorbed by the new powers in the region. The Rus did not gain full control of Ukraine, as now the Pechenegs, another Turkic tribe which we mentioned in our video about the Oguz Yabgu, now reign supreme. We can assume that migratory movements occurred mostly to the west, into eastern and central Europe. It is also likely that Khazar people remained on the Caucasus, where they had originally established their state. The legacy of the Khazars is certainly remarkable. All the conspiracy theories aside, the Khazar Khaganate left a huge impact on the history of the region and on Turkic history. It was the first and only Jewish Turkic state, and the only remarkable Jewish state between the fall of the Second Temple in 70 CE and the establishment of Israel in 1948. The aforementioned mother of Leo the Khazar introduced into the Byzantine court the distinctive kaftan or riding habit of the nomadic Khazars, and this was adopted as a solemn element of imperial dress. Furthermore, the orderly hierarchical system of succession by scales to the Grand Principate of Kiev was arguably modeled on Khazar institutions via the example of the Rus Khaganate. And the fall of the Khazar Empire, along the dissolution of the Samanids in the east, paved the way for the rise of the Seljuk Empire, whose founding traditions mention Khazar connections. Whatever successor entity survived, it could no longer function as a bulwark against the pressure east and south of nomad expansions. By 1043, Turkic Kimeks and Kipchaks, thrusting westwards, pressured the Oguz, who in turn pushed the Pechenegs west towards Byzantium's Balkan provinces. This domino effect is typical for Turkic history. This and much more events and developments regarding the Khazar Khaganate are the reason why Khazar studies are so popular on a global scale. We have many sources regarding the Khazar state, its inhabitants, its culture and religion. But unfortunately, not a single line of the Khazar language has survived to this day. That is the fate that virtually all Turkic peoples of the early Middle Ages, apart from the Gokturks and Uyghurs, share.